Adi? Kwenye kwa kuna baridi. Ba sana. Ni koronga niko chuo by the way. Oh, oh, oh. Eh. Kwa nini baridi? Hii baridi ni mbaya msaidi sijui Nairobi na kana. Hii baridi mzee, mimi hadi nimetarajia mvua sijui for how long msaidi sioni mvua, nasikia tu baridi. Inyeshi, akunyeshi huko. Mm. Ah, tuanze. Hai, 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 hai. Ah, <coughs> 3 2 1 Hey guys. Hi guys, my name is Kalen. Hey, I'm Delmas. This is Pablo. This is Jabil. This is Kevin. Guys, welcome to the Third World Perspective. We are going to give you a third world perspective on all kind of sports. You name them: beach, NBA, NFL, beach, F1, football, you name them. All kinds of sports. Yes. Thank you. Ciao. Hey guys, welcome back to the Third World Perspective. My name is Pablo. Welcome back to another episode. We are doing the Euros. I'm joined by Lina. Lina say hi. Hello fans. <laughs> yeah, man, it's been a while since we've had Lina on the pod, but we're glad to have him as usual. We're going to speak about the Euros. Obviously, the group stages are just done. Um and obviously we have the fixtures for the knockout stages. Um we'll just peruse through the groups before we preview the knockout stages. We're expected to be joined by Dalmas a little bit later on and I think Kay as well will see if they can get time and get on the podcast with us. Um I just want to make sure is your net okay because can you hear me fine? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, man, because our net was absolutely vials yesterday. Um shout out to La- to Lionel Messi turned 34 yesterday. One of the goats. Yeah man, one, one of the goats man. Um just had to do a drum roll for, for Leo Messi. Um birthday Lionel Messi today is 25th. Um we were supposed to do this episode yesterday but we couldn't due to um due to network problems but we are back. Um we're going to talk about Italy. Obviously Italy played the three games winning all three games and not conceding a single goal in the group stage. Um I think they have, they have not conceded in their past I think eight matches under Roberto Mancini. This is how good aside Italy are. Um obviously they they won the group Wales finishing second and going into the knockout stages in Switzerland as well. Turkey missed out they lost all three games in the group stages they only managed to score a single goal conceding eight line so did you make of this group yeah i mean turkey as you say a disappointing outfit uh more specifically i mean okay fine we had hyped them in the preview right we knew turkey would go through uh however their main players they you know they best outfitters didn't turn up to the tournament uh specifically Burakilmaz he was just terrible for them you know being the captain being uh, a player that you'd expect to lead this younger side you know with his experience um so yeah i mean disappointing for Taki but again uh Taki did have one of the youngest squads in the tournament so don't just count them out yet uh when the world cup rolls up or the next year they'll be among the names that you know you'll hear people touting as uh yeah. tournament favorites or, or you know they about yeah um obviously there are said that i think me and lena are very enthusiastic about going into the euros um if you go back and listen to our 50th episode spectacular which was our 50th episode on third world perspective um we we had actually, we had actually very good things to say about Turkey we were, they, they were say that um they were very um, motivating they were very fun for us to speak about because um they they have very good players young players individually but i think as a team they they have not matched up enough well to be able to be competitive at such major tournaments um but for me um, I, I like the the short podcast that we did yesterday i commented about this for me the thing with turkey is they have been the they have been the worst midfield i've seen at the euros 
Um, basically, the, the, the first game of the tournament, um, Italy played in and around that midfield and Turkey set up with four midfielders. It was it was almost unbearable to watch. Their pressing wasn't just good enough. Um, this is why I think I think and they, they don't have such a good attacking line um, going forward because going forward it's only Gengizanda and Chalanoglu. Chalanoglu obviously he has made this um, he has moved from from the red side of Milan to the blue side obviously making that transition to Inter Milan from AC but um, Turkey haven't just haven't put enough um, on the board for me um, and, and this can tell man they, they, they are the only side I think um, in this them and um, I think that I think them and North Macedonia are the only are the only team in these Euros that didn't manage to put up enough points. And North Macedonia are, are a very small country; they cannot be compared to Turkey. And Turkey actually did horribly in these Euros. I think it's back to the drawing board for them. It's back to, to the drawing board for those players, for the managers, for their football association to see what they can do to correct this. But um, obviously, Wales managed managed to to sneak into the knockout stages. Um, they started actually poorly a little bit a little bit poorly a little bit um unconvincing um but did you see did you say did you see switzerland or turkey finishing above them obviously turkey but did you see switzerland finishing above wales and yeah i mean i never had wales progressing from the top in my initial prediction uh that's because i mean there are two star players in gareth bell and aaron ramsey I didn't really, I didn't really uh, see a lot of them in club football, so I didn't know uh, what they were going to bring to the tournament. But, uh, for example, the game against Turkey, they, those two players were quite unplayable. I mean, Gareth Bale in particular had a fantastic game against Turkey. And, you know, lucky to miss a penalty, but still, providing the two assists. Aaron Ramsey, again, a really good game. So, if those two players do come, do come around for Wales, I believe you know they could they could really be a threat to Denmark in the second round or rather yeah yeah and and obviously Gareth Bale is relishing the thought of, of playing Denmark um granted that he, they are they are, they, are, they are not the fans favorites um to win that matchup um it's very it's it's very unique for for, for Bell to be um he, i think he is a player that actually thrives on pressure and obviously like you said he was very unlucky to to miss that penalty against turkey but he's in in forms of assisting in forms of creating chances for his teammates for wells um particularly he has been very good in the past the past i think 10 11 games i think he has he has like um nine assists or something in the past 11 games for wells um he's, he's a very good player but um, the problem that I saw with Wells was that um, Aaron Ramsey actually came into the camp when he was he wasn't exactly much fit, um, having played so little, so few games for for Juventus. And um, in the first few training sessions, um, he wasn't even training with the squad. He was actually sitting with the physios and like um, staying on the bike, um, doing his cardio and, and such things, and in in tents or whatever. But um, they actually they actually did well, but they they will need to put up uh, more goals um, if if they want to to, to to advance further into the knockout uh, into the into the knockout stages as we move into the quarterfinals and the and the semis because they only they only had three goals and three goals is not enough. I mean, um, yeah, go on. You said three goals is not enough, but you know England topped their group scoring only twice, so. <laughs> I guess it's your luck. It's your luck. I mean, if England yeah. drop a group with two, with two goals and hungry, unfortunately, do get to go home, you know, with three goals, it, it, it's it's how lucky you. Yeah, man, and and obviously, I'm um, speaking of England. Obviously, obviously, England are in Group D. Let's just jump right into Group B before we come back to Group B. Speaking of England, England have been shambles this entire this entire tournament. Um, I've not actually seen a worse side. Um, obviously, Turkey, Turkey are very bad. Um, Turkey are, have actually been um, the most disappointing team for me. But England are, are a close second, man. England have been terrible concerning the amount of quality that they have. Um, I think Jadon Sancho has only played, I think, um, seven minutes or eight, nine minutes um, in this tournament so far. And Jadon Sancho is actually a player that has been valued um, at £100 million um, for, by, by Borussia Dortmund. Um, obviously, um, news um, from Twitter is that he's nearing um, that transfer move to Old Trafford. 
but um he's such a good player man he had six he had 16 goals 20 assists last season he's actually the player that most german fans are actually puzzled with um, when it comes to england concerning his, his playing time but do you understand how england shape up especially with gareth southgate being um criticized for being so defensive you you did expect him to be so defensive i mean in his in his initial squad he did name pull up four right backs and had Trent not suffered has suffered an injury uh you would have you know he would have a squad where you have four left backs on a side you, you're thinking okay how do you get the team squad um yeah. what really surprises me is the omission of Jadon Sancho I mean you you really can't understand why he's not a player who is not in form uh when you hear reports it's not because of a disciplinary issue so you're left with maybe Southgate just doesn't watch the Bundesliga, you know, so maybe he doesn't know how good Sancho is. Because really, I mean, <laughs> what, what, you know, what possible explanation could you have for him leaving out, you know, the talent of Jadon Sancho? Yeah, I mean, of no, course. So, yeah. yeah, and obviously, um, it's 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 actually very tricky um the, the situation with sancho um we'll see we'll see we'll see how that goes on but um for me i was tweeting this out and like um you guys you guys can follow my twitter at pablo Iconero. i was tweeting this out and i i'm actually very convinced that this england side despite the fact that i think to, in my eyes they're a golden generation because um they have top two not even if, if not top, if not the best striker in the world in hurricane um, they have a very, they have a very good midfield. They have one of the best top. They have one of the best number tens in the world in Jack Grealish, who was actually phenomenal for them in that game against um, Switzerland. Obviously, had that assist to Raheem Sterling. They have very good players, and someone would be very tempted to say that this England side at the moment is a golden generation. But I don't think, uh, I don't think they can win anything under Gareth Southgate. I don't, I just don't think it's tactical enough. Um, the, the, obviously, the Euros, the managers who are more techni- tactical, the managers who are more technical, um, managers like Luis Enrique for Spain, although Spain is a shambles as well, um, managers like um, Santos, obviously, um, Portugal's manager, um, also very tactical, but I just don't think Gareth Southgate has the, the amount of mental um, tacticality to go ahead to win a, a, an entire tournament. But there is news that he will start a back three against Germany, and most people are actually criticizing him about this. Do you think um, that's a good move? Um, obviously, they are facing Germany in the knockout stages in the round of 16. I mean, it's a sensible move because Germany also do play with a back three, so I'm guessing Southgate wants to match them, so you can have almost this uh, man-to-man marking system. So yeah, it's it's sensible. I mean. And of course, you know when Southgate faces a bigger team, he always results, he always reverts to a back three. So yeah, it's not unexpected. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, it's very, it's very difficult for, for for England at the moment. I, I just don't think. Obviously, they have they have the the home advantage, and they'll be playing at Wembley, and. Um, obviously, the the semis. Obviously, both semis will be played at Wembley as well as the final. But do you, do you think England could go as far as the semis? And do you think if they get to the semis, they they, they could use that home advantage um, to their uh, basically to their advantage and go out and have a, a very good tournament, if not win it? Well, if England win the Euros, then I'll say it's because the Euros is rigged. Because you know, of, of all the games they played, only only the quarterfinals would be at Plan, you know, in Wembley. So, yeah, I mean that's. An unfair advantage because you know reports have shown that home advantage does actually play a part in a football match so yeah i mean they could although germany 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 are playing you know very unpredictably so you don't know what side turns up and then if, if they do get past germany then uh you could see them making it past sweden and or ukraine whoever wins their squad whoever wins the match between those two so yeah they could as well be in the same years. yeah yeah but it uh, it will be very difficult for them man hitler is sending his men and, and, <laughs> well, 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 well. <laughs> 
yeah but um just just to wrap up this group d before you go back to group b um scotland for me they were they were my team in this group i actually don't like england at all obviously my united players play for england but of the united players that play for england i think i only like one or at most two because um i, I like rashford but i don't think he's is such a good player um but I, I tolerate Harry Maguire, uh, but he's is is there. Sergio Ramos is there. Van Dijk, um, is, he was actually playing for England, um, in that game against Czech. Um, I think I think I think no one had more passes into the penalty third, going into the penalty third in the second half than him. But uh, I don't like England at all. I actually like Scotland. Um, Scotland are a side that I'm very enthusiastic about, and I'm very disappointed in the Scottish. Um, Basically, the Scottish population being happy um, with getting knocked out in the group stages because in this group, we know Sheik has been a revelation for Czech, for the Czech Republic. Um, Croatia, obviously, the side that got to the finals um, in 2018, but Scotland should at least um, have been very um, ambitious and actually gone out to at least get a win, um, at least build on that win and just not get beat um, two games at home. Um, at Hamden Park in Glasgow, it was it was it wasn't what I was expect, expecting from Scotland at all. But um, Croatia and Czech, these guys obviously got got into the got into the knockout stages. Croatia basically they'll be playing Spain, and we'll see how that will go down because that will be that will be a thriller, and we'll see if Spain can turn up. But Switzerland, uh, not Switzerland, the Czech will be playing the Netherlands. Um, of these two teams, who do you see um, getting? Um, Getting the better of their of their their opponents, um, the Czech will be playing the Netherlands, and Croatia will be playing Spain. I mean, the Netherlands have been playing well, but again, they haven't really met a good side. I'd say. I mean, no disrespect to Ukraine, Austria, North Macedonia, but they really haven't met a, a side that could, you know, give them a run for their money. Uh, the Czech have been playing quite well. I just feel, I just feel, you know, uh, squad for squad, the Netherlands do have a, a, a better squad, and that quality will uh, will be a huge deciding factor between those two. And so, I put my money on the Netherlands, even though I didn't, I didn't start, you know, I wasn't enthusiastic about them at the beginning of the tournament. I still, I'm, I'm still not really convinced by Frank de Boer, despite topping his group, you know, winning all three matches. But yeah, I mean, uh, in that picture, uh, I will put my money on the Netherlands. Yeah, the Netherlands sound so with also, I'm um, called, they have as a kind of a golden generation. Um, obviously, they are missing the huge man in defense, Virgil van Dijk. But um, they have actually played really well in Group C. They haven't conceded a single, um, they, have, they have conceded two goals, but they, ha- they didn't lose a single game. But um, the Netherlands are a very good side. Um, I think it's being called a golden generation because of Gini Wijnaldum. Obviously, he has made that transition to Paris right now. Um, not playing for Liverpool anymore. They have Memphis Depay, who has been absolutely sensational for them. He's actually the second player after Romelu Lukaku in form when it comes to international football. And obviously, Romelu Lukaku is a monster man. So um, you can tell the amount of the levels that Memphis Depay is playing at. But um, it's, it, it's going to be very difficult for the Czech. Obviously, they, they've had a very group stage campaign and they were just unlucky to miss out on winning the group um, when it came to that loss um, against against Croatia, um, not against England in the, in the last game. But um, the Netherlands are looking, are looking very good. But do you, do, you, do you fancy Spain? Spain over Croatia? Because I don't, I don't think I'd take, I'd take Croatia, man. Although Spain are very terrible. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a tricky one. Uh, yeah, that's a tricky one because both, are, you know, haven't been great so far. Uh, I really, I I, I won't make predictions. <laughs> Boy, really go away. So. Yeah, obviously, obviously, Linus, Linus is trying to play this safe, guys. I was trying to to, to get him to make a prediction, but he was, he was like much. Um, so basically, um, for me, 
Um, I'd actually choose the side that has the Ballon d'Or winner because the quality that Croatia have in midfield um, with a player like Kovacic who just won the Champions League, although he didn't play much of the Champions League final, um, a player like that coming off from the bench. Spain, I think they'll just fall short. The amount of quality that they lack um, in this squad at the moment is actually very wanting. The amount of leadership that they lack in this squad at the moment is also, um, it's not good. And like Alvaro Morata, who is actually missing goals left, right and center. I think using using the XG philosophy, which is actually most is, is actually expected goals um, per team. Spain, uh, um, they, they have only scored six goals, and using this philosophy, um, they were actually expected to score 9.39 goals from the amount of chances that they created. So it's three goals short from the amount of um, open chances. So basically, I, I can't, I, I, I don't fancy Spain at all. I think Croatia can can are actually a team that are very um, experienced in the knockout stages. Um, we all know they go to the to the final. I think I think they didn't win a single game in 90 minutes because most of their games actually had to go to penalties and they won those in penalties. But actually, I, I'll take Croatia over Spain. And Spain is bad. I've never I've never seen Spain this bad since this one. So uh, yeah, Spain yeah. Spain have been have been a very weird side to watch. I mean, uh, because they they were they were the stronger team in that group. So you you whenever they play. You expect, okay, fine, they'd have the majority of the possession. But they were slow with the ball, they just kept moving the ball side to side. Especially like uh, the game against Poland, which was so, so boring to just watch. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, at one point I wanted to spend out of the competition so I don't have to watch them play. Uh, because that's <laughs> no, how, I mean, yeah, because... That's a vile, man. <laughs> no, because really, really, they were... I mean, even when, when, you, when you factor in that they are the more defensive side in North Macedonia, in Hungary, you know, teams that sit back, they weren't as dull as Spain were with the ball. And yeah. Morata is having, I, I really, you know, I think it's a, it's, it's bad luck. And when bad luck compounds and then, you know, comes this, uh, it turns into bad form because he's missing chances, he's missing penalties, he's missing uh, open, uh, you know, clear, clear chances, you know, and the the whatever the what oh the climax of it all was when he gets substituted for Ferran Torres and then Torres with his first touch barely 20 seconds later scores you, you thinking to yourself I mean yeah it's, this yeah. sounds like a bad joke on Morata so yeah 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 it, uh, yeah for, for real Morata has been misfiring uh, Morata is actually a player that I liked um, back in, I think, 2018 when Madrid won that um, third Champions League final um, because um, the side that was playing the La Liga was actually a different side from the side that was playing the Champions League and the side that, that actually won Real Madrid the La Liga was a side um, that was very youthful. Players like Alvaro Morata, James Rodriguez, Marcos Asensio, those guys are the ones that were starting. And Alvaro Morata actually was very phenomenal that season and he actually had I think it was the second. I think it was the third most. It was the third top scorer um, for Real Madrid that season after Cristiano and Benzema. But he was very good that season. He, he, he had uh, he had scored amazing goals. But it seems like it has just been downhill from there because um, obviously he's the is the is the starting striker for Spain, and this is unlike. This is not um, what you want. Um, from your striker, you don't want him to miss chances, especially open chances. I thought he, I thought he, he put that rebound from that penalty um, into the back of the net. I, I was, <laughs> yeah, man, it's it's terrible, man. Spain didn't win this group. Actually, Sweden won this group. I'm sure if you ask any bookies, they'll tell you that they they act, the odds of Sweden winning Group E. Um, they were very low. The odds of actually Sweden getting out of Group E and Poland missing out and going to the knockout stages. Um, they were not very low. They were very high, man, because no one expected Sweden to, to, to win this group, man. They won two games. They drew the one against Spain. Sweden have also been have also been magnificent. Yeah, Sweden have been magnificent, uh, especially uh, Alexander Isak, who, again, he's still young. I mean, we have seen him, I want to say Dortmund. Uh, yeah. He didn't have... Quite the season everyone was expecting, but again, at 20 years old, 
Uh, he seemed uh, one of the players whenever he had the ball, it was willing to you know run at his man, get into get into the box, try a shot, and yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm excited to see uh, the kind of player he becomes. Um, but of course, of course, of course, you can't talk about Sweden without Emil Forsberg, who has been the match winner for the past two games. Yeah, uh, yeah Sweden should be proud of themselves, talking a group with Spain, Poland, and Slovakia. What I did expect for the final game against Poland, you know, when Lewandowski caught his second goal and the like, score was 2-2, and we, we just knew this was, you know, Lewandowski time. You know, yeah. he, he was just about to show up to the tournament because I hadn't had much of him, so you you thought you know maybe we would he would have done something that he would have gotten his hat trick, his third goal, and help Poland progress. But that wasn't to be, and yeah, I mean, it, maybe maybe Lewandowski is not just enough. You know, you can't have Lewandowski and ten other people and expect yeah. much. So yeah. Uh, but but here um the, the thing the thing with the with tournaments is I actually have to emphasize this for, for managers that don't know this. Um it's very difficult if you win if you lose if you actually lose the first game of the group stages, especially the uh, group stages where there is no home and away. It's only three matches in the group stages, you're not going to play this team at home, then you play them away from home. You actually have to make sure that you don't lose the first the first game because if you lose the first game, it's very difficult. Poland did terribly to actually lose against um, Slovakia in that that first game. Granted, there were ten men, um, they were one man down. Obviously, Gregory Krikoviak with that red card, but it's very difficult if you actually lose um, the first game because it means that you need a positive result in the second and. In the case of Poland, their second game was Spain, and um, they were very unlucky um, because Spain, Spain are actually said that themselves they were looking for points, so um, they had to settle for a draw. And the the last game usually has a lot of pressure, and the last game can go either way. So just being a safe side, teams need to make sure that they actually don't lose the first game because it's very difficult to come back. You can see the same case with Hungary in Group F. Um, you can see the same case with um, Russia also because it's, it's not the same. It's very difficult. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. There's, a, there's, yeah. A, there's an art to tournament football to how you know, given like you know, like a funny a funny fact is when Portugal won uh, the previous tournament, they actually didn't win a one. They didn't win any game in their group. And so again, you have to have this balance of, uh, of how to approach each match because it's not it's not it's not a league system. It's not everyone plays everyone. It's whenever you well whoever you face, you need to make the most of that chance because you yeah, each it, have you know an advantage. Yeah, basically, don't lose, man. That's that's basically it when it comes to tournament football. Don't lose, man, because you can get used to losing and like it can, it can end terribly for you. Um, obviously, we're Group B. I'm coming back to Group B. Belgium won the group, um, winning all three games, scoring seven, conceding just the one. Um, the one obviously against Denmark, but um, Denmark actually, as they said, that progressed um, into this group. Um, obviously, they had they had, a, they had a superior goal difference um, to Finland and Russia. Finland, obviously, the goal difference for them was minus two. For Russia, was minus five. Obviously, Denmark had something to do with with, the, with, with Russia's um, goal difference. Not something, but a big part to do with Russia's goal difference. But um, did you expect Denmark to actually pull this through? Because after they after they lost their first two games of the tournament, did you expect them to actually get to the knockout stages, or um, am I the only mad person here? <laughs> I actually did. I actually did because even after after the first two games, uh, the group still looked uh, suited for them. I mean, all they had to do was beat uh, Russia and then hope that Finland, which Again, I mean, they, they, they didn't take any chances because they took the game to Russia, they got the goal difference, they didn't want to, you know, in the group. So yeah, Denmark, Denmark. I did expect Denmark to pull through. I mean, of course, that that um, initial game against Finland, you know, had the entire incident, which of course loomed over 
uh, the rest of the match. Uh, which, again, I think is unfortunate for Finland because being in your first major tournament, winning your first game against a very good side in Denmark, and, you know, how will, I, you know, will history remember this as a triumphant moment for you or, you know, as that we had that Christian Eriksen incident. So, yeah, man, yeah. Yeah, Finland should be proud, should be proud. I mean, of the, of the third place teams, I think they were only, I mean, okay, fine, they, did, they didn't make the top four, but, you know, being fifth, it's, it's something, something to take home. I mean, they, I, know, I know they would have, they would have liked to be in the knockout phases, but they should pat themselves on the back and for such a showing and, you know, build from that. Yeah, I think I think uh, of the of the teams that actually finished third, they 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 had a shot of going into the knockout stages, but they lost out to Ukraine. Obviously, Ukraine in Group C, Ukraine scored more goals. Ukraine scored four goals, um, but they tied on them um, with goal di- on goal difference. Obviously, Ukraine also had a, a goal difference of minus one. Ukraine scored four goals. Finland ha- had just the one. Um, for Lamalu, I think it was against Denmark. Yeah, man. But you're right, uh, especially concerning concerning when it comes to history. Um, what will the history books remember that Denmark Finland game? Um, will it be Finland? Yeah, that's a nice take, man. Will it be Finland's yeah. um, first first win at a major tournament, or will it be um, Denmark's um, case with, with Christian Eriksen? Man, we'll see. Um, obviously, it's it's very difficult for them, man. That's that's unfair. That's really unfair. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, but Belgium, man, Belgium. Obviously, these guys are the favorites. These guys are ranked number one by FIFA. These guys have, I think, this is also a golden generation for them because I'm um, thinking of a country that only has, I think, a population of four million, um, having the best team in the world. These guys have Romelu Lukaku, Dries Martens, Kevin De Bruyne, Alex Witzel. These guys have Thibaut Couture in the at the back. Um, basically, what 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 would be the least accomplishment for Belgium in this tournament? Would you say? Hmm. Like what? Yeah, mean, like what, into the finals. Yes. What minimum do they need to do? Do they need to do they do they reach do they, do they need to reach the finals? They do. Actually, they do need to win the trophy to begin with. But <laughs> you know, if they they have to get to the finals in order for it to be at least at least. Uh, a commendable effort, you know, for this for this tournament. Uh, their next fixture is against Portugal, which will be an interesting game. So, yeah, uh, I mean, they, you know, again, Belgium, Belgium, like most of sides, didn't really have a difficult group. So, we haven't really seen anyone really come at them. You, you know, when we did our preview, we said that their backline is an aging one. We haven't seen anyone try to exploit that. And so against Portugal, you know, with Jota, Ronaldo, Bernardo Silva, you know, quick runners, you know, direct runners, we'll see whether or not Belgium do deserve this, you know, this credential that they've been awarded as a favorite for the for the, for the tournament. Yeah, obviously Belgium playing um, against Portugal on Sunday night in Seville. We'll see how that goes, man. It's going to be a very interesting one. Obviously, these guys are aspiring um, Euro 2020 contenders. And Portugal are the defending champs. We'll see. We'll see how that goes on. But I think I think I'll agree with you concerning um, the list um, that they need to do at this tournament. They actually need to get to the finals. That's the list they need to do, because um, they obviously they go to the semi-finals um, in, in 2018 at the World Cup. They need to actually do one better in the final. Obviously, um, they are not going to stay the number one ranked team by FIFA forever. Um, they need actually to to add on that with, a, with I think a trophy um, because the bronze medal at the World Cup wasn't wasn't good enough so they, they need to do one better and get to the final. Yeah. So um, yeah man. So um I think I think we we, we we pretty much covered the Netherlands in group C. Um obviously the Netherlands playing the Czech and Patrick Schick um, Sheik obviously not scoring against England, but a player who is in red hot form. Um, that game being played also on Sunday, but in Budapest in Hungary. Yeah, we'll see. We're, we're, I'm also excited about that one as well. But we'll jump quick, quickly to the group of death. Um, this is actually 
the the group it actually turned out to be the most exciting group um a lot of a lot of talk a lot of preview actually what this this group um if you go back and listen to the to our episode our 50th episode spectacular which is actually about two hours but we broke down the groups um at, we broke down the the podcast into groups so we have a group f segment um a group f segment obviously um has the, has the most plays and um, we understand why man obviously this group has the guys that won the world cup in 2018 they have the guys that won the euros in 2016 they have the guys that won the i've actually been very impressed by hungary obviously these guys were the clear underdogs um in this in this um group and at some point during the last game of the um the last game of the group Hungary had a shot of finishing as 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 higher up as second um in the 47th minute when France were ahead of Portugal 2-1 and when Hungary were ahead of Germany yeah man Hungary could have finished as high up as second how impressed were you by Hungary and how 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 exciting was this group to watch uh, this group was exciting especially uh, if you if you you know call back to the first match day fixtures Uh, the France Germany game was the most exciting amongst the things just uh, played for that match day uh, yeah for the match day um uh you'd see you there was you know exciting football a uh, competitive edge to for each team and also you know they carried over to the you know carried over that trend in the second match day and also the final match they had a lot to offer hungary should be proud hungary should be really really proud i mean of all of all of all the teams that uh, went out uh, from the group stage hungary should the, should be the most proud because being in a group of death you know being in you know uh, a group with such caliber everyone expected them to just roll over and take the hits but they didn't they stuck with it until the end which is unlucky for them and you know because I think for their first game, you know, for example, I believe they should have got something from that game. I mean, that winning yeah. score does not reflect how the game was. I mean, not at all. Uh, yeah. They were able to get a point against France, which again considered after after going ahead. So Hungary have just had an unlucky tournament. Although I don't think it's luck, it's it's and allow me to go off on a tangent here. It's this five months of situation that. I'm not really a fan of. I'm not really. Yeah. You know, I, I understand what Shandesh was saying about the five, 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 five substitutions again. Because if you're able to bring in five players, that's changing half a team. And most of this, you know, most of these lesser sides, so to speak, don't tend to have that quality on the bench. They usually have a starting eleven and then maybe one or two players who can fit in. And so when you have a five players coming off the bench and your five players are Timo Werner, Goretzka, who goes on to be a match winner, Thomas Muller, Kevin Boland, you know, Musiala. You, you, you see the discrepancy between the two. You see this, uh, the inequality between these two sides, you know, between the benches. And it's an unfair advantage to the weaker sides. And once, and I understand why, why it's there, because we haven't had a streamlined uh, football calendar. And so trying to be able to almost alleviate the effects of having to play football in this pandemic climate and how fast the games are coming and how uh, tired players do get uh, over a season. So yeah, but once we go back, if or rather if or when we go back to how things were, I'd really like to see a reversion to three months institution bench. Yeah, that's much I mean, uh, you know, They are bravo to hungry yeah man yeah hungary 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 actually were, were phenomenal um in a group in a in a group this strong um only losing the ones and the ones that they lost um they were actually unlucky obviously they're unlucky to not have the quality um to not not to have the quality but they were unlucky to have the quality of someone like cristiano ronaldo on the other side um Yeah, man. But Hungary, Hungary actually did their best. I agree um, with you when it comes to substitution. That's why this this could this, um, this is why I love the Premier League so much, and this is why the Premier League is the best football league in the world, because this um, such a rule 
cannot fly in the Premier League. We know last season there were there were, there were slightly more substitutions. Not last season, but the previous season before before COVID. Um, but the, that quickly um, was changed to to a three month substitution because five month substitution has a has a has a lot of advantage to sides um, that have very quality players and actually it tilts the scales man because um sports basically um it should be fair because um it's it comes basically it comes down to tactics so a manager can actually like you said a manager can actually put um a not so good um starting 11 and he can take out the entire half of the squad and actually um put up a, um, i think the best 11 for, for him in the second half so that's that's a very, that's a clear disadvantage to a side like Hungary, but they that's they, they they did so well. Their fans, I know, they're proud of them, and um, obviously the two points. Most people would have actually thought that thought that they would have lost all three games in this group, but the two points that they got from France and from Germany, um, they actually did so well. But I have, I have, a, I have a problem with with UEFA, and I'm going to pick your brain on this um, with UEFA because for me, every single time I turn around, every single news that I see on Twitter, that I see on the blogs, on the tablets, or whatever, um, I think UEFA basically, um, obviously they, they are the anti. Um, would, you say, would I say an anti-hero or a villain? Because they, they, they were, the, they were the, I think, the heroes um, when it came to the European Super League fiasco, and they helped to squash down, to squash that down very quickly. But um, I think that I think that that's very, um, I think they're spoiling football in so many ways. Because um, the news that actually just came out yesterday was that they have actually done away with their away goals rule in club football. Um, but you know how big um, the away goals have been for, for most teams in these competitions, um, not only the Champions League, but as the Europa as well. And they're going to scrap that away. We know that they're adding... Um, so like I was saying before, obviously I think UEFA, UEFA are actually I don't know who's coming up with these decisions. I think the board, I think Alexander Seferin for me, um, I, I don't like him as a man. Um, I don't actually think he's a is a good leader. I don't think um, he thinks things through. Um, I don't think he um, he's a good communicator. I don't think he talks well, um, basically to other people. But I see him on media. But like the decisions that are being made by by, by UEFA at the moment. Um, the away goals thing, I don't like it. Um, the new Champions League format, I don't like that as well. And football, obviously, being a sport that is beloved by over half of the world's population, close to over over half of the world's population, I think um, UEFA is actually UEFA is actually destroying this man. And like, basically, I, I don't think I don't think there's nothing we can do much. There's nothing we can do about it. But I think we're at we're at a position that we're at, we are at a, a very strong disadvantage where where there's nothing much. There's nothing. I'm not saying there's nothing you can do, but I'm saying there's nothing much that you can do. What do you think about about them um, scrapping their wiggles through? Um, I'm gonna be honest and say I wasn't really a fan of their wiggles rule, especially uh, this season, because there wasn't any clear home advantage. You know, teams didn't actually play in the stadium, so. When you're talking about away goals, uh, you know, there's some there's something lost in that, and so I'm really not angry about the away goal uh, fiasco. Uh, but yes, I mean the new Champions League format is uh, <laughs> it's not it's not it's not looking ideal because now all of a sudden you get swamped with games like we didn't have enough already, and like you say, I mean you understand why all of this is happening. It's uh, it's uh, a maximization of profit. I mean, I, I, you know, as much as we talk about people as a sport, to others it's a business, you know, an enterprise, somewhere you can make your money. And so it's just how the world works. Uh, that's all I can say. Yeah, man. Obviously, we're, um, obviously, I get the business point of it. And like, for me, it's, it's actually a, a very poor business move, a very poor business move when it comes to strategy. I think, I think they, they need more critical thinkers. Um, 
Where's where is the where is UEFA's headquarters? I think it's in Bern, Switzerland, or something. But I'm um, I think sure, yeah. yeah, I think I think I think I think they they, they need they need more. Um, they, they they basically need more thinkers in that building because um, the, creating more games um, for for people to play um, it's not ideal. Man. Creating more games and actually because the, the thing with the with the away goals is that this is a rule that has been in existence since 1966. It's a rule that actually set the UEFA Champions League and the UEFA Europa League apart from the domestic leagues because. Um, I think I, th- I think um, it helps people because um, obviously playing playing in, in somewhere like the Camp Nou and, sc- and scoring two goals obviously the Camp Nou has over hundred thousand fans um, and actually going back at home and Barcelona not scoring um, the two goals that you did at Camp Nou giving you an advantage. I like that about about the Champions League and it's what made the Champions League very special, man. But I think I think I think UEFA just are not aware of actually um, what the fans want. I think there's a disconnect there because um, for me, I think I think you're the only person um, who doesn't like the UEFA the UEFA way, way who actually likes the UEFA way rules. I didn't say I like it. I just say I don't really mind it. I mean, of course, of course, of course. Say, had you not had the away goal rules, then you don't have. Um, such moments such as um, when Barcelona overturned that four-goal deficit of Camp Nou, uh, you know, moments that uh, as a football fan we live on with you. So again, uh, fine, you're changing the status quo, but I really don't, I really don't mind it. And you know, on the matter yeah, of expanding, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, on the matter of expanding, I mean. Uh, even the Euros itself, uh, at 2012, I believe we only had a 16-team tournament. Now it's 24. Soon you'll be hearing numbers like 32 teams. And oh, I mean, uh, I mean expansion. Yes, it includes more more more, more nations, allowing more nations to participate in this uh, in such tournaments. But again, something is also lost. Uh, uh, there is this, you know. Uh, I don't know how to put it, cause now you have, you know, you, you see, you see how the groups are structured, or how there's an imbalance within groups, cause a particular side uh, is handed a group with um, um, uh, less opponents. Where say had we 16 teams, then you'd see maybe two group Fs where the big boys do meet at the group stages there and then, and not having a single group of death. Yeah. Which again, you are able to get more games, but then the excitement uh, has to be postponed until knockout phases. Yeah. So uh, it's a balance. A balance. You lose something, you gain something. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but I, 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 don't you think in in such a case they actually lose more than they gain? I think they gain more because you have more matches to show, uh, which means uh, broadcasting. Advertisement money comes in through, so financially having more games, you gain more. Financially speaking, yeah. strictly, I mean, you gain more. More yeah. games equals yeah. more money. That's 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 without debate. The thing you yeah. have to wonder is, uh, how does the game then in turn suffer because of said decisions? Yeah. But yeah, I mean. Yeah, but but like um, look at it. The, um, I mean, the, from the way that I'm looking at it, is that UEFA actually lose lose the the authenticity of the the, of the competitions. I think also like the, the thing that you said. Obviously, the Euros, the stocks that the Euros are, are going to have more teams, which is something that I don't. I'm not particularly a fan of, a fan of. I think 24 is actually the maximum that the tournament can actually withhold. You don't want a, a, such a very a big tournament with multiple games um, going live. Um, the authenticity thing is is very big, and the authenticity thing um, I think will, will will go on forward to um, longevity and and importance um, to the to the customers who are the football fans that watch these games um, religiously. But um, for me, uh, it's it's not a good look from UEFA. I, I, basically, the rules, the, the things, the, I think the, the things that I can't. Looking back to the past, I think two years, there is not a single thing that I, I can actually say that UEFA have done um, that I can say has been has been very good for the sport 
and like very good except except i think they, i think they have tried to, to to include like um the lgbtq community which i'm i'm not exactly sure how that has gone on because i th- i thought um they I, th- i think they they actually banned um the alliance arena from lighting it um with i think up the the rainbow flag or something um but basically they have not done enough concerning racism basically everything UEFA are a shambles i'm not a fan of them at the moment the headquarters for UEFA it's in neon switzerland it's not banned so it's not banned switzerland so it's neon but um basically another talking point in group f um just before we wrap but this uh, up before before but see it's not only UEFA because fifa are on a similar path i believe uh when we view that in 26 world cup we'll have 48 teams in yeah in, man that's shambles i mean and you're thinking you know i mean again again you understand why but then because when you when you when you when you listen to um these officials these executives decision makers they're not sport fans i mean they're not football fans you know it's not you it's not it's not it's not your me making those decisions it's men in suits uh looking to you know run a business so again i mean uh, what can be done i i really don't know uh well yeah, um, but, what does it mean just, for the future of football i really also don't know yeah but just but, but just like like um obviously the most the most lucrative um sports league in the world is the national football league it's the nfl in in the us and the nfl is actually the one sports league in the world not the one but like one of the one of the few sports league in the world that brings a lot of money very few games because um the regular season only has 16 games for every team it's very short and then there's a playoffs and then the, the basically the league starts in september and it ends in february that's there's a concentration of football matches in a very short span of time and that's that's actually what the fans want there is that hunger to um to wait for games and like to anticipate every single game that's 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 coming and like um for me i think i think quality over quantity always works most of the time because um if 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 your customers if the if football fans actually perceive that uefa have a good product um even though there's very few games but it's actually a very good product i think people will buy into that but if the fans are convinced that uefa actually have a very bad product but they have a lot of quantity there's a lot of matches to watch i think their overall revenue will fall i think it it, it may not fall right away but it may fall as time progresses because um the people's attention span goes um especially in, in the 20, 21st century it goes um well, fading man so it it fades with time so i don't think it's a good move from uefa i don't think it's a good move for them in the long term i don't think it's a good move for football in the long term as well also also fifa also fifa that's shambles as well and we'll have to wait and see you know we yeah. we we in a way we in a way are uh, are an old generation so we'll see how the kids <laughs> you know will will grow up watching football maybe maybe they like this they like this you know having to be engaged on the screens you know 24/7 by football i don't maybe maybe you're just old we're we told men talking and you know yeah basically <laughs> um, is trying to make us feel old but we are not old i'm 23 no, we're not old i mean that's what i'm saying but i'm saying yeah, I'm, i'm 23 years old man i was born in 19 <laughs> Oh, young man there are players that yeah, are older i'm also 23 and obviously so... L- you're 24 23 i was born in 27 yeah 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 also Lena, yeah we're both 23 we're not that old but like <laughs> basically yeah basically but i i think i think there are guys that are over 40 over 60 that basically would agree with us man more football um uh, equals um poor football Yeah um the, the talking point in group F obviously um France not winning at least two games um in this group was 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 actually um a revelation for me um because it, it, it for me it was just it was just weird that they couldn't win two games I thought I thought they would win against um Hungary because um obviously I, I'm, I'm a Portugal fan because of Cristiano Ronaldo and I fancy Ronaldo every time he steps on the pitch but I actually saw them beating Germany 
um, because Germany has a side that a little bit inexperienced. Although they, although they have, they, have, they go they grew into 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 the tournament and they played really well in the latter stages, but um, I actually saw them beating Hungary and I was surprised that they didn't beat Hungary. But uh, this this actually does this mean that France are actually a side that obviously they didn't lose, but th- th- does this mean that that France are a side that they can be stopped? Obviously France will be playing um, Switzerland. And after that, they'll either face Croatia or Spain. But that, does this mean that France are a that can be stopped, considering that they only won the one game in the group stage? Yeah, I mean, I mean, given their strongest competitors, you know, you'd have to think it's uh, the three teams that, that that haven't lost a game in the group stages. And so you're thinking, if why you compare, why you compare France versus Italy versus uh, Belgium versus the Netherlands? Uh, you could see them struggle. You have seen, you know, you have seen them drop points. People thought they'd come in this tournament and sweep everyone away, but that hasn't been the case. Uh, there is uh, some fragility when it comes to their backline. Uh, you've seen, um, I believe, Hungary took. Uh, that's uh, how Hungary were able to make their goal, and also most of their chances came from exploiting um, the weakness that Baran has, where he plays like a someone who was once a wing back and then converted into a center back. Uh, a player he likes moving to wider areas. I really don't understand why. And you know, if a team is able to notice that, exploit that space, then you could really hurt France. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm uh the book is probably adjusting their their odds <laughs> right now and yeah, France yeah. not really, you know I, I don't I don't want to discount them yet, but uh, you know, Italy, Belgium, and Netherlands are actually looking up. Yeah, um, if if France actually actually um, beat whoever they meet, if if they, if France go ahead to beat Switzerland and Croatia go ahead to and and if France go ahead to beat Switzerland, they'll meet whoever whoever beats whoever wins the Croatia Spain game, and they'll actually meet. Um, Belgium in the in the semis um, at Wembley. Obviously, they can only meet the Netherlands in the final because the Netherlands have a whole different bracket. But um, France, um, this actually proved to me that France are actually fragile. Obviously, the the, the going on in the camp with Mbappe and Giroud, we'll see how that goes on, man. But um, you you don't want to be at the center of 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 um a news um including your players um fighting i think the jd shams has a lot on his hands um concerning um not only um, winning the euros but um stepping up to the mantle that france are actually the world champions but um this actually revealed that that they, they, they can actually be said that they can be stopped for me um in the in, in the group stages but obviously pogba played well um he's a player that um he has actually shocked me um this 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 euros because basically we do not see this paul pogba at manchester united every single game we've never for me i watched the portugal game he was incredible in that i watched the germany game he was incredible in that as well um Paul Pogba basically um, he does not step up to the mantle. He clearly, he clearly does his minimum best at Old Trafford. I, do, I don't think I don't know if it's because we don't have a defensive mid. I don't know if it's because um, we have a number ten in Bruno Fernandes. But basically, Pogba's France's Paul Pogba is someone different from my United's Paul Pogba. Yeah, but um, I'll just mention Cristiano Ronaldo very quickly. Obviously, he's that six years old. Um, he's is actually the tournament's goal all in it. The tournament's top scorer with five goals, um, put, putting up five goals in three games in the group stages. That is mad. Um, we only got news, I think, last week or the previous week that Cristiano Ronaldo has actually clocked 300 million followers on Instagram, which is mad. Becoming the first person in, I think, social media history to have 300 million followers on a platform and 300 million followers on Instagram ahead of. I think the Slay Queens like and like the celebrities like Kim Kardashian, Beyonce, Selena Gomez, etc., Taylor Swift, etc. But um, him putting him putting up such goals at such an age is intense. Obviously, the three goals um, from from the five at penalties and most people and will get a lot of flack from that. But um, he actually he has actually tied 
um, Iran's early day um, record of 109 international goals. Obviously, early day um, was in a world of his own, putting up 109 goals for Iran. But um, Cristiano did this in 178 cups. Um, obviously, the Pushkas Arena in Budapest, um, in Hungary, um, the other day against France, um, scoring twice. But um, basically, let me just say what Ali Day said concerning this. He's, um, he said, quote, I am delighted that Ronaldo will be the one who is doing it because my record being touched by a player like Ronaldo feels like another record to me. I admire his commitment and focus. And after reaching so many titles, his passion for the game is like on day one. Um, have you been impressed by Ronaldo Linus um, concerning in, in this tournament? And do you think they can get past Belgium? Because Belgium are opposed to be reckoned with. Yeah, Ronaldo, I mean, how you say that of these five goals, three are penalties. But you have seen uh, quite a lot of penalty misses in this tournament. So, you know, just because it's a penalty doesn't mean it's a, you know, it's a free, it's a free goal. A yeah, I, yeah, in, yeah. You know, a lot goes into penalty taking. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't want to be the one to say it because I know <laughs> fans will say I'm a Ronaldo fan because I didn't want to be the one to just say it. So I'm glad. Yeah, yeah but yeah, a lot, a lot goes into penalty. You know, into, into taking a penalty. I mean, uh, you know, the composure, the state of mind, really. Again, you know, even striking the ball. So yeah, he he has you know been impressive. He has been impressive for a while. I mean, he hasn't seemed to stop. I don't think he's, I don't see him letting up. I mean, as we speak, I expect, you know, probably even show up at the next Euros, you know, with the way he's going. Yeah, man. Um, I'm so, I'm so, I'm so glad that he's the top scorer. I don't know, I don't know um, how far, how far he'll go, man, because um, Belgium, Belgium are a different side. Um, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how he progresses. Um, we'll see if he can get another goal for Belgium. It will be. It will be very nice if he actually eclipses eclipses the record, um, the 109 international goals um, for um, in, in this tournament. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Obviously, that's um, that's a thing that we'll be looking forward to in this weekend. The Belgium Portugal game will be played on Sunday um, in Seville. Um, I'm ex- I'm excited for that one. I think that that will be the game that I'll be I'll be most looking out for. Um, obviously we're done with the group stages and the previews, but which game are you excited for? Are, are you excited to looking to looking at? Yeah, I mean Belgium Portugal Portugal is a, it's it's a no-brainer there. Um, <laughs> that would be. I mean a lot is at stake. I mean especially as a Belgian fan, but also England Germany, which will be mm-hmm. I say when I say Tuesday, yeah, which will be on Tuesday. Also, yeah, yeah, you know, Tuesday. We'll get to see how Southgate, you know, lines up and what Germany squad turns up. Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah, so yeah, obvious choice would be, I think, Sweden, Ukraine, because <laughs> you know, because for them, it's a chance for the quarters, and they they, they do strike me as as uh, sides that are evenly matched. I mean, the Ukraine had a poor game for the last six years, losing to Austria. But I'm pretty sure Shevchenko will have to really talk to his team. And, you know, that if, if they put on such a display against Sweden, then they won't really get much out of this game. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm, for me, I'm also, I'm also excited about the Croatia-Spain one because um, that's the game on Monday for me, um, this, the Croatia-Spain one, because... Um, I want to see how Spain play in the knockout stages. I hope they come better than they did in the group stages. Um, I think the Netherlands check one. I think will be easy for, for the Netherlands. Um, I think it will be difficult for them, but like I think I think we are expect, they are expected to win that one. So that's actually um, a game that I won't be looking forward to. But the, I think the Croatia Spain one will be the one that we'll be looking forward to on Monday. But Sunday Belgium Portugal Tuesday England Germany those are the games, man. Those are the games. Yeah. Obviously yeah. England with the, with, the, with the home advantage, man. That's smart. That's smart. Mm-hmm. They need to win this tournament. The, for me, the least that England need to do in this tournament is actually win it because the amount of home games that they have is mad. The the quarterfinals, they'll um, if they beat Germany, they'll play the quarters in Rome, and that's the only game that won't be played at Wembley by England. That's mad. That's mad. Yeah, that's very fortunate for them. 
<laughs> yeah man the least they need to do is, is win this tournament so if they get if they get kicked out by germany basically they need to have a, a long look into the mirror and decide what they they're doing as a footballing nation but um basically that's the end of the podcast man it has been i think it's slightly over now at at at, at this moment but um do you have anything to say any shout outs um basically before we sign off i uh, no 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 uh, you know all the best belgium and also the dance you know the denmark against wales it will also be a yeah. game that has been interesting that's, that's on saturday yeah that one as well yeah 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 so yeah and yeah i'll see you when we review the round of 16 yeah man yeah obviously obviously we'll do a review for that um yeah we, yeah we'll we'll have we'll have to do this one actually very fast because um the, these games are coming in thick and fast but basically thank you guys for listening to the podcast um we thank you for at this moment we have over 980 something plays um we want to get to 1000 before the end of next week inshallah but um thank you guys for listening we have over 20 countries listening to the pod um i think india has just joined the the the, the fold india i think it, india canada um republic of lithuania sweden denmark um we appreciate you guys man for listening to the podcast um we appreciate every single listen obviously we have a listener support segment man we want to get a mic for us man um basically we're just doing this over phone man so basically um you can donate as little as a dollar um five dollars ten dollars um whichever amount you can afford you have a google pay um section so a listener support segment here but basically support the pod man share it to your friends if if you like this pod man and um You can follow us on Twitter at 3R at on Twitter at Third World Pod. You can follow us on Instagram at 3RD World Perspective. You can follow me on Twitter at Pablo Iconero. I'll be changing my Twitter handle when we get to a thousand plays. But um, Linus is not on the socials. Basically, um, uh, is that message? Yeah, 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 go on. Is that where uh, our listeners can message us? Yeah, yeah, we have a voice message section and and we actually got we actually got a voice message um, from someone asking us to do the French Grand Prix. Obviously that happened um this previous weekend. We'll get to that man. Um we're so sorry that we did. Yeah, 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 we have, yeah. I could ask our listeners to also, you know, tell us how they feel about these uh, reforms by UEFA, you know, how expanding tournaments uh what they think uh, this means for the future of football. Yeah, yeah man, yeah. Yeah, basically um we have a voice message um you guys you guys can get our voice message on via Anchor. Um you can tweet us tweet us at the 3rd World Perspective Twitter at Third World Pod. Um we can share your tweets on the podcast. Um yeah, like Lena said talk to us about um the moves that UEFA is making concerning their way goals concerning um the more games um starting from the 2023-24 season in the Champions League basically um talk to us man let's let, let, let us get um to know what you guys are thinking about this and basically support the podcast um help us to grow man um we like the progress so far and we hope you guys appreciate our consistency we hope you guys appreciate our efforts and our content and um, we'll see you guys in the next one also um tweet me out um also tweet me out actually big liners to to get on the socials because we've been trying to do that for i think two months now yeah it will take, <laughs> take a lot i'd say but okay yeah you know you, you're, you're welcome to try Yeah man basically yeah basically, yeah basically follow follow the pod man share 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 it to your friends man we'll see you guys on the next one thanks for listening bye